following episode contains spoilers. If you don't want me to ruin the movie for you, pause this podcast and come back when you've seen it. From this point on, everyone is at their own risk. Sincerely yours, Management. Welcome everyone to Lights Camera Podcast, a program dedicated to all those cinema lovers. I'm Sofia Erlet and I'm glad to be one more episode here with you. In this episode, we'll be talking about La La Land, the movie that was nominated for 14 Academy Awards in 2017. As always, I invite you to get comfy and grab some snacks. With no further ado, let's get down to this episode. Aspiring actress Mia serves lattes to movie stars in between auditions, and jazz musician Sebastian scrapes by playing cocktail party gigs in a dingy bars. But as success mounts, they are faced with decisions that fray the fragile fabric of their love affair, and the dreams they work so hard to maintain in each other threaten to rip them apart. This movie first came out on December the 25th, 2016. It was directed by Damien Chazelle, also known for directing Whiplash in 2014. This movie also features great actors such as Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling as the leading characters, but we also have famous secondary characters like John Legend and J.K. Simmons. This movie was nominated for 14 Academy Awards and won 6 of them, 7 Golden Globes and took all of them, and was also nominated for 11 BAFTA Awards in which won 5 of them. So, let's talk La La Land, the movie with a Hollywood story and a Game of Thrones ending. And let me tell you that this episode would be a little different, since I don't really want to focus on the story, since... I believe the story is somehow basic and kind of cliche, you know? Two strange people have a half-flirtatious and half-hateful relationship, and then something happens, in this case, a freaking musical number, and they fall in love. As the movie progresses, there's a roller coaster of emotions and problems, and well, in the end, we're all disappointed and sad because these two characters don't end up together, you know? For me, this was a good thing, since many Hollywood movies give us those like fairy tales endings, nothing real, nothing concrete, and so this movie gives us an ending more attached to reality, which is, just because you supposedly know someone who feels like the love of your life, doesn't mean you're destined to be together, you know? Like, my crush and I, we're, we're really good friends. I love the fact that the movie lasts two hours and uses those two goddamn hours to make us fall in love with them and their relationship and then everything, like, falls apart, it crumbles away. But that's the story of the movie, simple and kind of uncomplicated. Today we're going to focus on what for me is truly La La Land an audiovisual masterpiece that transcends a simple story. So come with me to break down the meaning behind the aesthetics and styles of La La Land. First of all, let's talk about the colors of the movie. All the colors in the movie represent something. And no, I'm not crazy talking. Let's keep in mind that the colors of the film are vibrant And given how exciting the film is, they contrast very well. There's something much more 
colorful about La La Land compared to other movies, and that's because of the use of primary colors. You know, red, yellow, blue, well, I, I think I, I don't have to s- stop and explain the p- primary colors. Linus Sandgreen, the director of photography, uses these colors as a symbol of Hollywood. Now, here comes my theory of separation and union of colors. Okay, when Mia and Sebastian don't know each other and there's no spark, the primary colors are separated. They're found on people's clothes, for example. And the party scene with the song Someone in the Crowd, Mia and her friends are wearing primary colored dresses. And by the time they arrive at the party, everything is in a blue contrast. Another example is when Mia and Sebastian talk each other, talk at each other at that party during the day, you know, that pool party where she asks the band where Seb- with who Sebastian plays to play a song he's very uncomfortable performing. You know, you notice that she's wearing a yellow dress and he wears a red shirt. But when we go to that famous tap scene, you know, the poster scene, <laughs> the sky is like an indigo color, which is a blue shooting purple, but they're still wearing separate primary colors clothes. But you know, the sky, the sky is the union of the color and symbolizes the approach of the two of them. And since there, we can observe as everything is a union of these primary colors, ergo, the union of them in a relationship. Other examples include, uh, let me think, the jazz club scene where Sebastian is playing the piano and Mia is dancing. You can see that the the color of the scene is kind of like in an orange tone. Or the observatory scene where they're dancing their lives away. You have a purple tone in the shoot. And finally, the famous green of the scene where they sing City of Stars. You know, City of Stars. Are you shining just for me? Okay, so just so we're on the same page, the separation of colors occurs in the clothes and the lights. This symbolizes the fact that neither Mia and Sebastian had that spark of love or whatever. And the fusion of these colors occurs in the background of each scene, in the lights, in the photography. And this symbolizes their union as a couple or the spark that they have. Now, let's get into the regression and separation of the colors. We realize that nothing is mixing as it should be and that's when everything is going wrong and it begins, as I said, a regression in their relationship. For example, When Sebastian starts playing with his new jazz band and he starts to distance himself from Mia, the primary colors that were united begin to disintegrate and we can actually see this in the clothes of the band members. Or when Sebastian, again, didn't go to Mia's presentation, the color of the shot was distinctively blue. There was no longer a mixture of colors. Now that I think about it, Sebastian was kind of like a douche. Yeah. Now, we move on to one of the last scenes, that, that's where Mia and Sebastian imagine what might have been. In the montage, the primary colors are displayed more than ever. You have a scene that's all red, a scene that's all blue, black and white, etc. And at its point, everything looks tender but feels like 
off, like one dimensional. Here, after watching the goddamn movie for like the seventh time, I realized that the colors were indeed something important and symbolic. Another very important thing about the film and what gives it life is the choreographed movement of the camera at the moment of shooting a scene. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, Sophia, the movie already has choreography, color, music, and good actors. How can you say that this is what gives it life? Well, let me tell you. If this movie had a still camera, just shooting the choreography and the actors, this would be another meaningful movie, another meaningful musical. It wouldn't be something transcendental or something out of the ordinary. The camera, I mean, the camera is not like mounted on a person dancing around, risking that the camera might fall off and break. No. Damien Chazelle explained that the camera was moved to the rhythm of the choreography or music. For example, the scene of Another Day of Sun, which is the scene that opens the movie, one of my favorite scenes. Since it's an explosion of primary colors with a very well-developed choreography that the camera follows, or the party scene with the song Someone in the Crowd, the camera follows Mia and her friends to the party and follows the whole choreography and even gets in the pool and goes round and round, you know, like the song round and round of Kesha and Florida <laughs> to follow the choreography. Also, another example might be the famous tap dance, you know, the scene from the poster. And another one of my favorite scenes, which was the scene at the jazz club. You know, where Sebastian is playing the piano and Mia is dancing. This was one of the scenes that I liked the most because of the way it was shot. And the camera, you know, it, it didn't have any cuts. It captured the moment between these two people. It shot in a sequence going from Gosling to Stone. And what Damien Chazelle did was tap the, camera's man, the cameraman's shoulder every time he had to change focus. And it just came out great, you know? And that brings me to my next point. The long, uncut scenes are what hypnotizes us about the movie. Something that the director played well because it keeps us focused on what's happening in the scene without ruining with so much cuts, 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 cuts. This film is perfect with all its mix of colors, shot, photography, performances, choreography, music, etc. This, for me, makes it a very good movie. And that's why at the moment of the mistake in the Oscars, I, I felt really bad. If you didn't watch the 2017 Oscars or you don't remember what happened, at the moment they were uh, announcing the best picture, they called out La La Land and the whole cast and crew was on the stage thanking everyone and then they realized the winner was Moonlight. I mean, yes, Moonlight is an excellent film with a very good story and actors, but I think that was all. The movie doesn't go beyond that. There wasn't any like aesthetic or style like La La Land had, but well, I'm happy with all the awards it got because it actually got a lot. This movie also feels like it's not only a love letter to Los Angeles, but it's also a love letter to all those people who are chasing their dreams. Do you think 
do you feel the same way? Do you think this is also true? Now, a very interesting fact about the movie is when they shot Another Day of Sun. And this is a fun fact. You know, Another Day of Sun is the first scene, the scene that opens the movie. And they had to close the Los Angeles highway because if you take a look, that's where the scene takes place. Underneath the highway, you can see cars passing by. And, you know, the, the scene took some time to shoot since Damien Chazelle was into the idea of shooting at the sunniest hour so that the color contrast will look better. But just, just imagine how great that freaking felt, you know, to be able to close a whole highway to shoot one scene that lasted like four minutes that that right there ladies and gentlemen that is dedication and now i'll give you the rates given to this movie imdb gave it an 8.8 out of 10 metacritic gave it a 91 percent and rotten tomatoes gave it a 94 percent what do you think did it deserve this course so that's it for this episode i hope you liked it and what did you guys think about this movie good bad mm. i really hope you liked it and if you didn't notice about the things i'm talking about you should go back and watch the movie so you can confirm what i'm actually saying remember to follow lights camera podcast on instagram and facebook to be notified of new content to give your opinions or decide what other series or movies i should talk about if you're listening to this podcast on youtube remember to subscribe to our channel Thank you very much for listening and we'll tune in again next week. Take care, drink lots of water, and keep consuming cinema. Bye!